and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Karen Parsons. Now, Karen's best remembered for portraying Hilary Banks on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We talk about how she landed the role, just how much fun it was portraying Hilary, and whether or not she was typecasted following The Fresh Prince. Her latest project is her debut novel called How High the Moon. We talk about her inspiration behind the book. I read it. It's a really, really good book. And she touches upon her organization called Sweet Blackberry. Karen was very nice, and this interview was almost a year in the making, so I'm glad I did it when we did it, so I was able to read her book. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Karen. And helping you with my youth today is Karen Parsons. Karen, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. Oh, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, well, look back in a little bit, but I just want to talk about your most recent project. Uh, first time author, uh, congratulations. Um, how High the Moon. I just finished the audiobook, and I absolutely loved it. Um, how did you decide to write this book? Oh, well, first, thank you very much, and right. thank you for having me. Um, you know, my mom grew up in South Carolina uh, during that same period in the 1940s in, um, in the Jim Crow era, you know, segregation. And she often, I mean, she reflects on her childhood, um, at least when she talks to me about it. She's always very positive and, and uh, says that she had a happy childhood. And um, that's fine. But I, after a while, you know, you start to wonder, well, wait a minute, what about the fact that you were living in this time that you were in? You know, this incredible um, racial discrimination, like you think it's bad now, uh, and and danger and everything, you know. So I kind of wanted to delve a little deeper. I wanted to combine what growing up for me was like and what it may have been like growing up in my mother's shoes. And so I kind of stepped into that and, um, and into that world and asked her a lot of questions. And, uh, and so ended up being uh, inspired by other other things popping into my head, and and um, that exploration led me down to uh, How High the Moon. Right. Now, how much of, like, your mother's story made it into the book? Well, the backdrop is, you know, the, the farm that they live on and, and living with her grandparents. Uh, and her mother living up north in Boston. These things were all very much my mom's story. Um, but that's probably it. There are little things here and there that she would bring up that probably made their way in other places, um, but not the real storyline itself. The storyline itself was was uh, something else entirely. Right. Okay. Now, um, like the main uh, character, little girl named Ella, uh, she was biracial, and one of the things in the story was who her father was. Um, you're biracial. Did that have a factor into making her biracial? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, absolutely. I That was part of combining the two of us. Like, I couldn't get away from combining the fact that I, but this, you know, that I was biracial and the things that I uh, was up against. But with Stella, there was... A couple of differences. One, um, I knew that I was biracial. I knew who my father was, and I knew that my father was white. And I thought, what if Ella didn't know who her father was? What if she didn't know if her father was white or not? And what would that? How would that play out in her life, and especially during that time? 
and so there there are episodes of colorism in there that are you know largely based on experiences that I had um, and that kind of uh, weight and prejudice that a child can can deal with and that kind um, so that was yeah that was coming more from what I experienced right and one of the, the um I guess the true life characters in the book, uh, George Stinney Jr., who um, was allegedly you know, killed two white girls, he was later exonerated after you know being uh, executed. Um, how um, how important was telling his story in the book? You know, I've done work for a long time with my organization, Sweet Blackberry, and our mission at Sweet Blackberry is to bring little known stories to children that are inspiring and empowering stories from Black history that we don't hear about that are empowering. And in looking up little-known stories and researching over the years, I time and time again, I run into George's story, and I see his face. And everyone, I've, you know, just about everybody I've mentioned him to um, looks at me like, huh, he? You know, nobody knows who George Jimmy is. And it was a horrible, horrible tragedy in this country, and nobody knows about it. And that, to me, is makes it all the more horrible um, because it's important that people know what happened. And uh, so I've always wanted to, I've wanted people to know his story. I've wanted to tell his story. It just so happens that George lives not that far from where my mother lives in South Carolina um, in the same period of time. So I, it made sense that I make the story in Alkaloo, where he was from, and had him be um, in the story in a larger part. Because in the beginning, when I first wrote it, he was a smaller part of it. He was somebody who was um, who Myrna had known. It was a memory, but I was encouraged to bring him to the forefront. It was a little difficult to do, but eventually. Right. Um, the story, you know, Bella and in the book, kind of left it open for, I guess, a series of books or a sequel. Any any plans of continuing the story? Well, you know, when I first did it, I have to tell you, when I finished it and I was in that, <laughs> someone said that to me right away, um, my first reaction was, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Right. They didn't say a sequel ever. They just said the next book. And I said, no. So I just was so happy to be finished finally. But then all it took was, you know, a few weeks away from the characters. Uh, before I started thinking, oh, I'm this one. And I kind of just fell out of And I have all these thoughts about, you know, their lives kind of continue in me in a way. And, and then, of course, now that I'm talking about the book, it makes me really kind of long for that world and the place and the people and uh, and their growth and, and their change that's occurred because of the, the, the things that happened and how high the moon. So who knows? Maybe I'll right. be back there. Yeah. How long did it take you to write the book? Um, probably about three years, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's probably about three years. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not the target audience uh, of the book. I'm really <laughs> a, white, a white guy, but I I really enjoyed it. So, advise everyone who you know, has kids, doesn't have kids, to read it because you you learn you learn a lot about. You know, yeah. I'm not familiar with. So I'm. Isn't upset. that interesting? I mean. That's one of the things, you know, historical fiction is very daunting and 
you know, when I was doing what I was thinking, what was I doing writing historical fiction novel? I'm out of my mind. Because you have to know, you know, the, like the little teeny things, like did they have orange juice in that region at that time of year? Right. Did, it, did it come in a can or did it come in a, you know, a bottle? And, you know, and um, you have to know every little thing. But one of the things that was really, but it gave so many gifts because along the way, when you would go to uncover something small, just to make sure something was right, you, all of a sudden you learn this huge, it would open a window into a whole other element of history that I hadn't bargained on. And, and sometimes that find, would find its way into the story to have a much larger part. You know, like the, the ship fitters, for instance, the fact that these women were ship fitters, um, that was not something that I went into the story with. But as I learned more about the World War II what the women were doing in World War Two and in that area, that region of Boston and you know, you sort of you know, you start learning and all of a sudden like, everything changes. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Did you um hear like from George just in his family? I uh reached out to his family and spoke with them. I didn't ask them questions. I didn't want to ask I didn't want to do that and open that up. But I mm-hmm. I did want to let them know about the book and make sure that um, that I you know, had their blessing of sorts anyway, you know, that they were aware of this and okay with this. Um, but I didn't want to go, you know, it's a horrible, um, it's a horrible thing to have it in your life um, forever. So, you know, it's very, very personal and, um, so it's, you know, it's difficult, like I said, it was difficult to take on writing closer to George because it was hard and painful to write, but also because of the responsibility I think that goes along with that. And um so I I just want I just think it's important that people know this is this is a part of history that I think is important for people to know about. Right. And you mentioned about sweet blackberry, you know, things you do, you know, try to uh tell stories of lesser known uh, African Americans mm-hmm. and um they're on Netflix, so they're streaming Netflix, they're on HBO, and you do get well-known African-American actors to narrate it. Um, I love the Chris Rock one he did with John Collins. Yeah. 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 Cool. Also, you know, I'm not a dancer, but it was it, it's very educational, and you, you know, like to learn things that I wouldn't be familiar with. So all, all of these are great. Apple Water did a couple or one, and, and they're, they're really good. Do um, you have any more coming up? Yeah, we just completed the Bessie Coleman story. It's called Flying Free, uh, the story of Bessie Coleman. She's the first black female pilot, and um, she was also the first black international, the first black pilot to have her international pilot's license, which she actually had two years, two or three years before Amelia Earhart had hers. And, you know, because at the time, no one would teach her how to fly in the States because she was a black female. So, she had to go to France to get her pilot's license. And so, of course, it was the international pilot's license that she ended up with. But, um, you know, she was just really determined to do it. And so we just finished that story, which I think is incredible. I'm so proud of it. Uh, I just played at the Museum of the Moving Image here in New York. Um, it had a, a run there, which was really cool. And Lawrence Fishburne did the voice, did the narration. Oh, wow. That. Yeah, he's all, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, so that was really good. That was really, really engaging. And, and you know, it, they're educational, but the thing is that what I'm so proud of with them, which was my whole point from the beginning, is that they're, 
you're in kids and their siblings and their parents. Um, they're in, they're so engaged that they're learning, but it doesn't feel like you know it's not it's not laborious or something. It's not like oh, and I learned history, I memorized dates. Instead, you're like you're you're relating to a person who's very much like you, with dreams and aspirations and challenges, and then they're overcoming these things. And I think it's so great for kids to see what they're capable of by by these people, and these people. Yeah, absolutely, and it's like. Like you said, it's not really being lectured. You're kind of like on the journey with them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, so let's reminisce for a little bit now. Um, <laughs> how did you get involved in acting? How did I get involved in acting? Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted I wanted to act since I was really little. I started talking about it um, when I was really little. There was a, it was funny. There was a book. You had the book drives and the bookmobiles, and I got a book called. There's a little skinny little book, which I actually got another copy of it recently off of Amazon because I just had to have it. But um, it was called Small Plays for You and a Friend. Little thin little book. And it was, and it was just a, little, a few little plays with simple props for two people to do. And they were really, they're really silly, fast, little funny plays. And I was doing all of you know, in both parts and, um, for my mom and just, you know, I just enjoyed, I just loved it. And I would, she was a librarian and I would say, look at little uh, books I used to check out called plays in the library and I would go through and be all the parts in my head. And I was just really fascinated with it. And when I got older, I started, um, you know, I finally located a, an acting workshop and got involved and just, you know, uh, finally at some point in a workshop I was in, an agent came into class and saw me do a scene from Sybil. Okay. <laughs> About things. Right. <laughs> on a good night. And, um, and so he was really interested in, in representing me, and he would go on to be my agent. And uh, he was actually the same agent that I would be with when I got the first principal in. Wow. So how did that come about? Were there a lot of actresses kind of auditioning for the role of Hillary? Yeah, I think there probably were. I mean, I know I auditioned. So many times I auditioned for the casting director's assistant. Then I auditioned for the casting director. Then I auditioned for the writers, producers, um, Quincy Jones. Right. Then the studio, and then the network. And at the network audition, everyone was in the room. Right. Uh, including like Debbie Allen, the director. Everybody was in the was in the room, and. Um, it was a long, a long process for me because I hadn't done anything but some, I done very little. Oh no, so it was so it was just really it was just really um it was really a process but it was really fun. I mean it was it was interesting. Quincy Jones is an amazing audience. You know, especially if he's if he's laughing at you and he's Quincy Jones, it's still kinda of good. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. But it was it was really great and that was so that it was just a good for me it was a long process and um but it was uh, it was really exciting that we finally came together, and I think we had like a, a short week that we had to instead of a so we had to shoot it in instead of a five day week. I think we had a four day week or something to shoot the pilot, and we all clicked right away. We had this amazing, amazing synergy. It was fantastic. I mean, and it lasted. <laughs> it lasted for six years. It was great. Yeah. Well, what was like the 
biggest challenge playing her? Uh, gosh, challenge playing Hillary? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I loved playing Hillary. I had a blast. Uh, you know, as soon as I got the wardrobe on, I started to, you know, she started to affect my, my body and my voice and everything. Right. Once I got the, you know, the, the shoes and the gloves on. But she was, I enjoyed it. I got to be everything I was raised not to be. I was able to say just what was on my mind and be rude. And, right, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of, it was very funny. The writers were hilarious. They came up with really funny zingers. So I was really fortunate to get to come on and say some very um, memorable lines. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, one of the most, like, I don't know, memorable episode. This makes me and my wife crack up all the time is when you went out with Paul's professor right after oh, your yeah. died. And then uh, it's, you know, one of the best bloopers out there. And, like, Will is just, you know, making all these, you know, men oh, always yeah. see you and you're, you're cracking up. How, oh, how difficult, like, was it for you not to like, break character with him? Well, you saw that. That was, yeah. that was, that was impossible. And right. he was just getting such a kick out of making me lose it. You know, he, after a while, he was just, like, he was just tickled because he was, like, everything he said made me just cry. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was fun. The thing is, for the most part, we were scripted, right? For the, right. the rest of us, especially. Will had a little bit more flexibility there. And he wanted to keep things fresh or in front of the audience. And he felt like something could be better. You know, he wanted to punch it up. And sometimes we didn't get noticed. And he noticed as to what that line, that change was going to be. And it's not, as you saw from that blooper, it is not easy to keep a straight face. That's why you can the camera. I'm like, get out of me. Right, yeah. <laughs> I kept looking up and the red light was on. I was like, no, don't look at me. Because <laughs> I'm losing it, you know. Um, but it was uh, it was so fun. You know, there were a lot of moments like that where I was off camera often, not in, not in a scene, and I'd be behind the cameras, and they would, Suddenly he's coming with a line that I had never heard before, and I was—I mean, then I could laugh freely. But you had lost of those moments where things happen that you just laugh so hard. It was fun. Yeah, you know, we went to work and we just had a great time. I mean, we were also when we were performing, we were laughing like that. But behind the scenes, during the day, waiting to shoot things or to block things or whatever, you know, we also had a very—you know—we had a. We all had a very deep, I think, deep relationship. We talked about all sorts of things in depth with each other. We had a, we had very close, um, we were very very much like family, but we were also very very good friends. And so it was. You really looked forward to going to work every day. It was very special. Yeah, and how easy it was it bringing um, Daphne into into the family? Yeah, she's one of the loveliest people you ever meet in your life, and so she just fell right in. She just fell right in. She's a beautiful, beautiful person. Yeah, I, I had her on a couple months ago. And she, yeah, she was oh, happy. so you know. Yeah, yeah, she was so sweet, yeah. She's lovely, you know. Yeah. 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 Were you surprised that um, Janet got fired? Um. Yeah. 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 I was. That was an odd, that was all odd going down situation. It was very bizarre. Very bizarre. Right. Um, so that that was basically, you know, when that happens, like no one no one talked about it. Right? It was just, oh, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> well, I'm sure we did some talking about it. I don't know. It wasn't, you know, it was not a right. it was not a, pre- a pretty situation for anybody. 
Right. No, it was just awful. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the show, you guys had so many great guest stars. Um, I don't know about great guest, guest stars, but you had certainly the president of the United States on. Um, what was that? Yeah, he wasn't seeing up and hey, 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 he wasn't the president of the United States. Yeah, exactly. So we did. We had Milton Berle. Right. We we had Milton Berle. We had John Tucker We had Tom Jones. We you know we had some pretty. You know, William Shatner. Well, Shatner, William Shatner. We had some pretty incredible guests on that show. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty pretty big. Yeah, that episode you guys did with uh, William Shatner is like one of my favorites. It's when they were in the dentist's office, the three of them. Yeah. Thing, it was just it was classic. It was it was really, yeah, really was funny. Yeah, but um, a- after the show, you immediately got a- another sitcom, uh, Lush Life. I remember that show. Um, <laughs> you and two other people. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, it quickly got canceled. So I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. But um, you kind of played like a Hillary type. Well, was it difficult for you not to be type tested after freshman? I was definitely typecast. Um, I didn't, I mean, that one, it was a little bit, it was, a, you know, she was, Hillary, in, and that was more me, and being like, kind of like, light and goofy and whatever. And she wasn't, she was, her character, that character was not as, she was much more well-meaning than Hillary. She didn't give a damn about anybody else, um, in, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> but, um. Uh, the, but yeah, it was definitely. I ran into quite a bit of typecasting. Yeah, Lush Life. I actually, you know, Lori Petty and I, um, right. we came up with that, and um, we went to Yvette Bowser, and who's created Living Single, and uh, the, the three of us wrote the pilot and came up with that whole thing. So I was a co-producer on that show. So I'm, I am. And in on that, having that character be the way that she was. But other than that, and other things, I had auditions where, or I had situations where I wanted to audition for things, I should say. And there were some things that I couldn't get in on because people wouldn't see me because they said, oh, no, we know what she does. And I couldn't get them to see me. Um, I mean, isn't it not just shame because, like, you're acting. And that's, yeah. that's, that's your job. It's a back, exactly. It's a backhanded compliment because on one hand you're like, oh, great, you think that that's me. Right. So I'm doing my job, but on the other hand, it's like uh, I need you to see that I can do something else too. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I, you know, I I always say when people talk about that, I'm not, I don't harbor any kind of resentment or bitterness about any of that. I I have I've had far more doors open for me because of the success of the show right. than I have had things stay closed. That's for sure. So I'm okay. Uh, I'm sure you are. And the show, like, I'm sure right now is playing on five different channels. Uh, every day it's on, it has on a new channel. So it's uh, it's hard not to find the show these days. That's good. I don't mind yeah. that. Right, exactly. But, um, Karen, thank you so much for a few minutes today. Go, go, check, go check out How High the Moon, uh, Sweet Blackberry. Those uh, little short stories are fantastic, those videos. And that's the book with everything. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thanks for talking with me. And a special thanks to Karen for joining me today. Go check out How High the Moon. The book is available wherever you can find the book. Amazon, brick and mortar bookstores. I listen to the audiobook thanks to audible.com. 
Go check out sweetblackberry.org to find out all the information about that fine organization. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at the first Noel 19 Be sure to like the page for Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show's on SoundCloud, Podbean, and Spotify. On Spotify, search for Living My Youth, all one word. Go check out tpublic.com for all your Living My Youth merchandise, hats, onesies, hoodies, stickers, you name it. It's on there. And coming up next on Living My Youth. I was built for it. I love it. I love it. I wish it was my full-time job, but of course I got to go sing all the time. So much. And I never would have ever known that. I couldn't have dreamt it. The one and only Biff Naked talks about what she would do if she wasn't a musician. That's next week on Reliving My Youth. We'll see you next Wednesday.